1: Welcome to your making it worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Alan Scott. We're here, we're queer. Uh. Meh. Textual,
2: Textual healing. healing. So, um, have you guys
1: seen Barbie yet?
2: Yes, I've seen it twice.
1: No, uh but I'm 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 receptive to the possibility that I'll see I it. I think you know. I think you'd actually. I think you'd like it. It's very. It's very
3: funny. Very surprising. Really astute. And and also even if you don't like love it for that, it's a really pretty. It's a remarkable big studio movie. Yeah. To be to be made for something that has a very indie feel.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, very intelligent. It's you just really smart. Influence. I mean, I I definitely am a film buff. I'm a cinema, yeah, yeah. if you will. And one of the things that I loved, I mean, I knew what I was going in for. I knew I loved Greta Gerwig as a director. I loved Little Women. I loved, you know, Lady Bird. I think she's a fantastic writer-director. That said, I wasn't expecting, it was almost an homage to old Hollywood in that. Yeah. You know, yeah, sure, there were some special effects here and there, but for the most part, all the special effects were like, you know, actual art direction and pieces that were built and things that were, they were doing. And it was big dance numbers and like huge old Hollywood. It was just a love. And there's so many influences of other like films like The Godfather and like, you know, Philadelphia Story and like so many amazing films that were you can see the references to in the movie. If you are, of course, a film buff. And it's just, it was so enjoyable to watch because of that.
1: I want to throw out, I all I recognize this movie as is the most brilliant move by a corporation to to kind of shift the narrative around their products. And it brilliant. It, it dawned on me like, you know, whenever when all this stuff kind of came out, obviously, I know the the marketing campaign was like in full tilt like a couple of months ago. but it wasn't until like a month ago, maybe a couple weeks before it actually premiered that I was like, oh, I remember a time when Huffington Post <laughs> was like, all anyone could talk about online was how like Barbie, Barbie's entitled and, and she's, she's a cis white woman. And, and, and of course, body dysmorphia is very real and all this shit, but like Barbie couldn't win and for good reason. And then I don't know who pitched it. I don't know who had this idea, but you cannot convince me it wasn't Mattel hierarchy, but they were like, we need to shift the narrative about how people view our dolls And so let's bring in a bunch of faggy film producers and make this this film that totally shows another side of Barbie and let's keep pumping out these So
2: smart. It is brilliant. And one of the things that I think is so interesting about that is that it wasn't necessarily like a queer perspective that was producing it or doing it. It was a female-led team of women who recognize the power of Barbie and different types of women too, who yeah. recognize the power of Barbie. And sure, Mattel wants to rebrand and do the things that they're doing. But at the same time, even though it's a, it, it fits into the moment of nostalgia that we're obsessed with right now, which I am a fan of, at the same time, it's also an original idea that
0: yeah. I've never
2: is. really seen before, that sort of, and Francis Ford Coppola said it in some interview, which I thought was so interesting, He was saying that the 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 impact of Barbie and Oppenheimer is that we'll get away from these massive franchises and he hopes to God. And I don't think Greta Gerwig would ever do it, that there won't be a sequel to Barbie because it is a standalone amazing film that doesn't need this franchise to it. Just one
1: hundred. I'm done with the Avengers, guys. No more Spider-Men. Make original ideas and people will come. Anyway, go ahead, Elliot. What were you going to say? Well, so
3: one of the, like again, the movie is so funny and weird and strange, and has so many different elements to it. But one of the most interesting ones is that, uh, the one of the mo- one of the most used songs in the movie is closer not on the to- soundtrack. It is on the soundtrack.
2: What isn't? Yeah, I, I was oh. listening to it. It's not on the soundtrack.
3: Oh, I think it's. I thought it's sung by the characters on the soundtrack, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'll check. Well, out. anyway, it's it, the song closer to find by the Indigo Girls somehow impossibly and invariably it ends up being pretty central to the um to bar to, to Barbie uh, mm-hmm. in, in the movie and um it sort of brought about this momentary renaissance for the indigo indigo girls um who are lesbian icons at this incredible.
2: point. Incredible I'm obsessed with them. I decided I was going to college based on them. Like they are incredible. Like where I was going to college. How how? Because I was so torn between like you know new york and like dc or in chicago and like the schools that i was going looking at and i was really sort of like having anxiety over where to choose and i remember i was in chicago for it was the summer before i went to before i like i decided i was like for my senior year and i was in chicago for like a july 4th concert and the indigo girls were playing at the con the series like something and they were singing their songs and i was just like this is fucking awesome. I love this, where I am right now, what I'm experiencing, this feeling, in this city, in this moment, DePaul's my answer. And so that's sort well, of- Well
1: then wh- why don't you hate them? Because you hated going to college. You <laughs> hated DePaul. I did,
2: <laughs> I did, I did, I did. I hated everything about college, but I still love the Indigo Girls. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're they're having
3: this moment where the, the movie that, like unexpectedly, this song has shown up in the movie quite, you know, prevalently. Um, and then even in March, a few, a few months ago, a video, uh, went viral of Tignataro on a party bus with Abby Wambach, Abby Wambach and Sarah Paulson and Glenn, Glennon Doyle, like some pretty famous queer ladies. And they were singing this song. Um, but anyway, so there's a documentary that's coming out called, um, it's only life after all that premiered at Sundance in January. That's all about the Indigo girls about their names are uh, Emily, Emily Saliers and Amy Ray. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's it's this, but the song Closer to Fine has been around forever. I, I didn't, it came out in 89 yeah, and it's just, it has just wow. been around for so long and, and it's meant so much to queer women in general to the point that even they would, will tell you it's become like it had become sort of a punchline, yeah. um. They said it was, Sal- Saliers said for the longest time I felt like we were the brunt of lesbian jokes and kind of the lowest common denominator. Um, It seemed like the most derogatory thing you could do is be a female gay singer songwriter. And the director of the documentary even said the time period that really that that really was so critical of women of queer women yeah. that didn't they didn't just present the way the patriarchal system wanted them to. Um, it's a really critical time for us to be looking back at things that we scoffed at or laughed at and said, we're okay. And I don't know about you guys, but it really does seem like at a certain point, as much as I always loved like folk music and I was a huge Lilith fair head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even with that said the Indigo girls always happened to be the butt of the joke about like, you know, earthy singer songwriter
2: ladies, but I don't the song think is- true. I don't think that's necessarily true because I remember I distinctly remember, I mean, where my love for Indigo Girls started and I loved the movie Boys on the Side with Willie Goldberg and Mary yeah. Parker and Drew Barrymore. And they were in it because they were like the folk singers in something and they were in the soundtrack and I loved the soundtrack. And so then I became obsessed with like, Get Out the Map and Least Complicated and like all these great songs. And when Lilith, when Lilith Fair started, there was a behind the music Lilith Fair thing. And they talked about how it was mayhem. No one was getting along. In the early oh, days. Oh,
1: right. No right. one
2: was getting along. Everyone was kind of fighting. And it was sort of just like chaos. And then mid through midway through the first season of Lilith Fair, that first year of Lilith Fair, they the indigo girls joined and it became this sort of cohesive They brought everyone together and they just became the glue that made Lilith Fair work in a way. And I think because of that sure they might have become a their music might have become a joke in a mainstream sense to of mainstream certain, way ways but in terms of music I would say they're fucking like Queens they're respected yeah. at all I mean they are like and they become they've kind of become because I think in a lot of ways they became sort of like the Swarthmore girl like a league exactly- Ivy League sort of yes. You know, you have to be a highbrow lesbian in order to enjoy le- so in, and they're so far from that because they're not that really.
3: Well, you know, Brandi this the songwriter yeah. is amazing. She's obviously gay. She said that song always felt defining of who they were in that era. She said even more than lesbians, what they were was you just said was intellectuals. And the real injustice was that they've been used as a kind of dog whistling acceptance way a dog whistling acceptable way to parody lesbians so to see something like this happen with barbie for something like something on this scale especially in time with the documentary is probably one of the coolest things i've seen in
2: years and well look at the alternatives Uh, also their their peers in the 90s i mean you the most prominent lesbians musicians in the 90s was K.D. lang and melissa Etheridge, and they were both of them are vastly different from the indigo girls because indigo girls were about you know fun and you know the music. I mean, what they weren't about fun, but the music was mostly in the popular ones at least were uplifting and happy and you know nice and everything. Of course, they've had serious songs, but Melissa Etheridge and Katie Lane kind of almost fit into the grunge aesthetic of like you know music with feeling and deep. And- oh, okay.
1: Katie so, so, Melissa, yes, but Katie is a chanteuse, if I might say so. Can I also throw out this? It's so funny to hear this because I was also largely into Little Affair, like there are. I'm um, an Emmy Lou Harris head. Uh, love Cole McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Sean Colvin, Sean Colvin, yeah. You,
3: you and I both famously have said that as teenagers, boys, we were both openly thought Sarah McLaughlin was very hot. We're like,
1: oh. she's beautiful in the arms <laughs> of yeah. an angel. And it's about Chris Farley. Did you know? No. Um, but that said, I know fucking nothing about the Indigo Girls, and I remember going to like summer camp. Ani uh, and, and going to summer camp and everyone would always be like, Oh, you love Sarah McLaughlin. You, you love, love Ani DeFranco. You would love the Indigo girls. I never, got I just never got into either, either of them. I know nothing about them. I didn't even know. I mean, I thought they were lesbians, but I also like, I'm not surprised they're lesbians, but I, I guess I thought that they were just friends <laughs> or are they, are they what? friends? They're friends. Ever-
2: they're not a couple.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're both in individual lesbians, right? Yes, they're both. <laughs> that's when you, that's but you when call. you
2: moved to Los Angeles, Brent, I rem- I distinctly remember this just because I just I remember you moving to Los Angeles and you got in my car and I was playing on like shuffle, like my favorite songs or whatever, and Indigo Girls came on and you were like, you pressed repeat on one of the songs and turned it up. I forget which one, but I distinctly remember that. You, hmm. you know, yeah, I mean, for yeah. somebody who's- Well, I don't so-
1: re- remember shazamming it. So sorry, Alan, go ahead, Elliot somebody who's so into like 60s
3: 70s folk music and peter paul and mary and you know for all of that
1: you'd actually really like the indigo girls i think but it's still it's all about the music and if i don't if i don't vibe with the music like the lyrics are great but like i'm already liberal like they're not going to win me over i I think you might vibe with some of the songs yeah i think you. yeah Yeah. and elliot maybe for your birthday next year i will treat you to listening to one of their songs and I'll that'll, buy it for you that'll on be, iTunes. That'll be my gift for you. Yes. And you'll buy it for me. And then you'll pay me to listen to it. Got it.
2: Not even joking. We are right, here today. Ahead. Oh my God, Brand! We are <laughs> here today with the very funny—I mean, just hilarious—Pete Zayas. Hello, Pete.
0: Hi, hey, Pete. Hi, everybody. Hey.
2: <laughs> okay, Pete. Your—I mean, yes. one of the things—I mean, I—I've—I've I've seen your work for years and years now, and and I, you know, I—we—we've we've seen each other out and about at Akbar and whatever over the years with Drew Drogi uh, and all the things, but. Your, whenever you make a cameo in Michael Henry's sort of like, and he's a friend of the pod, Michael Henry's sort of gay sketch series that he kind of has going, so funny. Yours are my favorite episodes. I mean, many of
0: them are, but still, any, very fun. Oh, uh, thank you. Any, the Dumpster any, Queens. Like, yes. like, if I may,
3: your like comedic taste is so like psychedelic that by nature, it's already like delicious. But you like are like one of a few people who I think, and I hope this isn't offensive, but your voice makes me laugh. <laughs> how dare you <laughs> you have such a distinguishable i mean a voice by nature that's just entertaining it's like yeah.
0: thank you
3: jennifer Cooligian, i would even say
0: yeah i know i get that a lot i got that way before she was even like you know crossed to the other you know to the other pantheon of yeah. fame yeah. yeah
2: i mean yeah. having a unique voice that stands out I get, because we've had other guests that like have had like really unique voices and they say like, it was hard growing up because of, you know, mm. whatever, but like in Hollywood and entertainment, having a voice like that is like so key. It's such a gift.
0: Well, when I was growing up, yeah, people made fun of me. I had a chorus teacher that told me that I sounded um, feminine okay. <laughs> and and so I put um, hairspray in his coffee. <laughs> And so he t- his voice sounded sticky.
2: <laughs> I had a teacher once who she made fun of my, I had a, like a mush mouth. Like I didn't enunciate my words. Mm-hmm. And she also said I had an annoyingly loud voice and she died of a brain aneurysm a few years after that. I'm just okay. saying, I wasn't mad about it. Well, you have the, power,
0: the power of telekinesis. Yes. Yeah, I right. was, I was
2: Harry in sixth grade looking at her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well pete so i want to know i mean we don't i mean drew of course but like the groundlings is one of those things that if you're like a regular at the groundlings that's like for anyone outside of comedy listening that's a big deal and you've been a part of groundlings for a while now and you're part of the 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 gay group right the queer the queer group with drew friend of the pod john hartman what's that like
0: oh it's great it's called the gale Mm -hmm. it's the the gay queer improv uh show Mm. and we do it uh you know, sporadically as gays do. You know, whenever we can all get it together, you can't commit. <laughs> can't commit. We can't commit to anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then once in a blue mood, we're all like, you know what? Are you ready. I'm ready. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. But and uh, so yeah, that's really it's a really fun show. It's about like an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and all improv, all queer. We mostly play women.
3: Oh. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not spelled <laughs> no G- wigs. It's not spelled G A I L. It's J A L E, right? Yeah, yeah, but still, it's so perfect that it's called the Gale, like, yeah, no, it's not spelled Gale J I L or G A Y L E. The Gale is like that is the gayest, that, like that, a
2: Gale from Nebraska, like the, a the Gale, Gale from Nebraska, yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> it has like, um, um, uh, Chris Eckert who put us all together, mm-hmm. he's a, a main company member of the Groundlings. He came up with it because Dorothy's last name was Gale and the Wizard of Oz, and right. then also. Uh, you know, storms are getting, for yeah. yeah gale winds, gale yeah. weathers from Scream. There's so many different, you know, gales. I
2: love it. I mean, what is it like sort of, I mean, cause improv is one of those things that like, I've always been kind of annoyed by, cause I've, I'm probably, cause I'm not good at it, but like, yeah. I, I've never okay. really responded to improv in a comedy. I've always been more of a stand up. What is it about? Like, what do you love about improv?
0: Well, I, was, I like working with the other performers, which is always fun. Like your minds meld. You know, if it works, you know, like all of a sudden you're just like we're writing dialogue, we're making up a scene, yeah. you know, all up in the in, in the in the on the spot, creating characters, and it's just and then the, like especially with the gale, it's so fun because it gets so crazy. Yeah, you know, usually a lot of times with like improv shows, it could be a little, you know, safe, but with all the you know the the queers and the gale, like it's like. It gets sometimes dirty, mm-hmm. and, but it's always intelligent. It's always intelligent. <laughs> oh, Always, yes. You,
1: if there's one thing I know about gay crowds, they want sophisticated intelligent yeah.
0: <laughs> well, yes. humor. What I
2: always made Fashion. fun of, like back in the day in New York, when I would do improv occasionally, and I would always notice that the straight dudes would always, as a joke, go gay or go like feminine in a way that was uh-huh. sort of queer ass. And then yeah. I was thinking about the Gale and I was like, well, that's our default though. That's like, that's where we want to go because we know how to do it well, you know?
0: That's where we start. Yeah. And then we like, we'll, we'll play straight men. And then that's when it gets crazy.
2: <laughs> I would love to see you play a straight man, Pete. That would be really Well,
0: funny. I could do it for you right now.
2: Hello.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a serial killer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit
3: about um, Total Trash Live. video it's a podcast it's a live show tell us a little bit about it
0: yeah i started doing instagram live shows during the pandemic and so i love to read tabloids so i like the Um, inquirer like the the real tabloid yeah uh and based in
1: fact tabloids
0: yes it's the only way I get my news. I don't know anything else unless it's from the globe or from the inquirer. <laughs> and so during the pandemic, I would go live and I would also just like read them on my stories, mm-hmm. Instagram stories. Yeah. They were they're just so bizarrely written. They're so crazy. Yeah. They could also be so like really mean. And, um, and so I just was like, well, I'm going to just like talk about my life on Instagram live and then talk about some pop culture and then know read some tabloids yeah and so that's how i started doing that and then i just really got into it and then i just started recording it to make it into a podcast did you ever like
3: like twisted and like very um adult swimmy which i I just love
0: well i because you know in the inquiry there's like advertisements for like real life baby dolls. Yeah. And so Ashton Drake makes these real life baby dolls. And one of them was an alien baby named Lumina. And so one of the total Trash viewers, who I call my trashies, hi my trashies, <laughs> um, bought me this doll and sent it to me. So now oh. that's my co-host wow. is God. a baby doll Lumina, like from trashies. Alien Baby Doll. Maybe
2: that's the doll that the UFO dude who testified in Congress last week, maybe, maybe he saw your trashy thing and that's what he's referring to
0: it's her family it's it's our family wait can
2: i speaking of
1: alien like can i ask you like if you love tabloids did you ever used to buy the weekly world news which is that so good black and white newspaper yeah do you want to know something oh no 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 (laughs) i'll say this real quick and then i want you to start you want to know something that's very depressing about our world our world believes that shit now we literally live in a weekly world news column every day because of thank you very much social media but anyway uh pete tell me what were you gonna say
0: Well, that's what I was saying is that like, you know, we've turned into like this crazy tabloid world where drag queens have to be stopped and, you know, like people are kidnapping themselves. It's like, we will turn into a tabloid world. (laughs) But I came, I went, I'm actually in Pittsburgh right now visiting my family. That's where I'm originally from. And I found, um, we have like a storage unit where my parents have all this old furniture. And about a year ago, I came across a box that it was, all of the tabloids that i had read oh from 1990 wow. until like 2003 or something so i thought they were all gone because i had moved but apparently my parents kept them so i have wow. a tabloid collection that is like Messful. i mean i could be in the i should be in the guinness book of world Records. yeah i have a, it's, it's, i call it my archives you I have had, a decade so, of content right there by the way That's i had it. this yes.
2: like my grandma my step grandma she and i never i mean we bonded a little bit but like when her husband was alive, my stepgrandpa, she was not a nice person. But then, as soon as uh-huh. he died, she became like catty, gossipy, and she loved the National Enquirer. And when she oh, died, wow. she gave me in her will her fur coat and her subscription to National Enquirer. <laughs> was
0: that's a good grandma? Though. It was the and best grandma. Though.
2: I mean, she's like my favorite grandma because all of my other grandparents were like total dicks. Like yeah, ass- right. Like, they were horrible people. But this grandma, she was.
3: My grandmother was left up. her. Your step there left her fur to you.
0: Yeah, her fur coat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good. Yeah, that's a good grandmother. I think she yeah. gets it. She gets
2: it. <laughs> What is it about? Like, because there is some. Because I, I am also of that mind. I, I don't read the National Enquirer anymore, but I'm mm-hmm. more of like a, like a Us Weekly. I love a Star Treks People Magazine. Oh, Still subscribe to People Magazine. Like, I love all of those things. So, like, what is it about? Like celebrity trash
0: news that like literally feeds us. I think it's always been like, we we want to know more than what they're telling us, mm. especially now with social media. Cause it's so sort of, you know, like they only tell you, they only show you what they want you to see. Yeah. I feel like we always want to know like more, mm. more and more. And, the, and I came across, my family also kept all of my people magazines. That's why I have the um, computer on top of, Fifty most beautiful people with this. Hey!
1: Mel Mel Gibson
0: on the cover. <laughs> That's with from a walk- the '90s. <laughs> this is from 1996. Oh wow! I, I, oh, hey, I, right. I,
3: I forget where I read this or heard this recently, but somebody, somebody somewhere, great, great, big help, Elliot. But some, I heard somewhere that you like nothing. Nothing tells you more about a time period or like what was happening than a magazine. So if you go mm-hmm. back into a magazine like a, your People magazine from 1996, just the nature of like what's there, the the ads, of course, but like the way that like people and things were spoken of is so indicative of the era. And mm-hmm. I saw that this um there's an like an Instagram account showed up in my feed, I think called like old old like New York magazines of old or something, and it's basically just um covers and inserts and stuff from old New York magazines nothing remarkable but I actually worked there at New York magazine doing like blogging stuff back in the day and I made it a point to like go into their archives and I would just take a bunch of random issues with me and read them and it really gives you insight into like a a time Uh, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. when I think of tabloids you know I feel like and you would know better than I do but I feel like the the cadence of like of what they stand for has changed so much because at least when I was reading them, it was always like on the treadmill at the gym in the like late or early aughts. And the way they spoke was only about women and it was all coded. So yeah. they would say like they were, yeah. they were like dunking on women's outfits, of course, like that was the thing, but to be like Eva Longoria's is cur- like looking curvy. Like they would just be like, she's fat, she's fat, she's fat, ugly, fat, fat, yeah. fat. But it's all yeah. Yeah. in code. And I wonder, like, has that changed as you as as somebody who's a fanatic about it? Has that changed?
0: No, it's always very like negative towards women. Always. Because I and I think maybe because it's I think that's who I think they think that's who the readers are. Yeah. For, it's like, you know, older women, grandmother women. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's me. I'm reading it. <laughs> right. And um, but they've they've definitely changed because like in the early 90s, late 80s, celebrities, then in like the mid '90s, it was very like Amy Fisher, O.J. Simpson, Sonia yes. oh, Hardy, and they bro. definitely got meaner. Those were good. They yes, they definitely got meaner towards the celebrities. Yeah. And then, like in the early aughts, it was very much like Brangelina, the couples, mm. Jennifer, and now it's a very like there's a lot of political things, of course, which is so boring to me. Like. Who, like Trump again or Biden. Who cares? I mean, yeah. well, what's going on with Meghan and Harry. That's my politics. <laughs> Miller Parker Bowles. Now oh, she's like torturing <laughs> Meghan and Harry. Yeah, That's my president. Because well, it feels like back, like
2: back in like the 80s and 90s, uh, even though the stories were like fed by their publicists and all of the interviews were like, you know, Valerie Bertinelli loses 20 pounds and let's have a People magazine cover about it. Like it was all very forced journalism mm-hmm. at the same time i kind of loved it because i wanted to know about valerie bertinelli losing 20 pounds but i also kind of wanted to hate her a little but, bit but too. but don't you think that that moment of
3: of cleaned up tidy publicity pu- uh, publicist uh uh okayed material was on one hand like yeah like you said forced journalism Whereas I, and guys, you correct me if I'm wrong because I do not know as much as you, but I feel like because of social media, it's like become so potentially messy that celebrities
2: like this, those forced journal, those forced articles. Cause I mean, whenever I do interviews with any celebrities, one of the things that I always say is like, I'll never feed you questions. I'm not going to do that. And I'll, and I, so many of them won't do interviews because of that, because they won't, I won't send the interview, the questions in advance. Like it's still very, they want control. Like there was this one, and I'll just say it because I didn't even reply. The guy who was in Star Wars. Um, Oh, God. He was in a bunch of other st- – he was also in uh, – he was in so many things. Anyway, he's one of the guys from Star Wars. And they were like, you can't ask questions about Star Wars. And I was like, it's the only thing he's famous for. Yeah. Like – Absurd. Why am I- why am I interviewing him? Sure, it's about a different movie, but I'm gonna ask one question about Star Wars. He's the Star Wars. I mean, dude. one of the,
3: the biggest movie franchise in the world? You can't yeah, ask about
2: that. Makes no sense. And they they have so much control, and so many magazines will take it, like People Magazine, et cetera. They'll take mm-hmm. the interview because they want they want the celebrities, you know? Yeah.
0: Ask them about Star Trek. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, no, Pete, I have to ask you because one of my favorite things about like celebrity gossip stuff. I, I do hate read a lot of things about celebrities because there are certain ones that I just hate. Like mm-hmm. what celebrity do you like intentionally read the article of because you hate that celebrity?
0: Oh, this is horrible. This is just <laughs> horrible. Probably Benifer only because it's like, we thought we got, I thought we got rid of them the first time, mm-hmm. but they're back again. And also like, they're always like, you know, she's got like perfumes and liquor and dancing and songs (laughs) and tv and movies and like you just can't stop her the union strikes won't stop (laughs) bender she's going to keep going
2: (laughs) i have to say i have to confess when this is something that surprised me so much so like my boyfriend michael i i mentioned the one celebrity that like i love hating on like love hating on and it's the Irwins, Steve Irwin and the whole Irwin family. Oh, the,
1: right. You
3: hate
1: I, them. I, wait, I wait, them. Steve, who's Steve? Crocodile is that Hunter. Urkel? Steve, no. Oh, no, right, not right. It. I literally thought it was Urkel.
2: Steve Irwin was the crocodile guy who, like, had the show, and then he got, like, killed by a... Stingray. 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 which is, like, I mean, if you're the alligator guy and you get killed by a stingray, that's embarrassing. But, like, <laughs> it, it, I hate them. I don't know why. I, there, I have no reason to hate them. I just see them as wait, so... did, did Michael... Michael respond to that in a surprising way? I had to ask the names because whenever I hate someone, I don't remember their names off the top of my head. So I literally texted him being like, what are their names? And he was like, don't make fun of them. They're little angels.
0: (laughs) Oh, Well, they all play with animals now, the children.
2: Yes. yes. I
3: actually dated a guy who uh, (laughs) played with, loved alligators. No, he loved Steve (laughs) Irwin. That was like his thing. And I was like, he was pretty basic, but that was like a light into some potential like, um, he a, a loved him. yes he loved him and he was i was like oh my god you might have like it like you might be like a little eccentric like this is so exciting and so yeah. i bought him for his birthday a um vintage uh steve Irwin um like board game and he uh. was like <laughs> and it was such a cute gift i thought and he was like what would i do with this
1: what <laughs> that's that's i i remember i might remember i
3: just want to end, end on not only did he say what would i do with
1: this he was like i don't want this in my apartment so oh I my, it in my god! Apartment. I mean? it in the apartments, I I think I know which X this is. But uh, I had a coworker, like my first job out of college, who loved Penn and Teller, and I was like, who fucking loves Penn and Teller? So I've never, I've never in my life, like everyone knows <laughs> Penn and Teller. I don't dislike Penn and Teller. I'm neutral. I think almost I like every American is are. neutral on <laughs> Penn and Teller. Like if the show is free, I'll gladly watch. But but that's about it. And oh. he was like, he's like, yeah, I, I like fly four times a year to see Penn and Teller four times a year. Oh my god!
2: Wow, Penn is. I cool. like I
1: like Penn. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Dave, Dave Janice, if if Dave Janice is listening, isn't, then... it tell,
3: isn't Penn or whichever one's the tallest one? Wasn't there? Didn't something come out where it was like he's so clearly and unsurprisingly guy, unsurprisingly like a sex pest like outdoor what? outdoor sh- like outdoor sex dens or something like I feel like I remember watching something and that was like a tour of his house and it was like this is my dungeon and it was, and it
2: was like, oh. the only reference I have to him is one episode of I think Lisa Rinna's like first episode on Real Housewives. And she was like, I, you know, you gotta hustle, gotta have acting jobs, gotta hustle. And she's driving her car to like an independent shoot with like six people with a pin and Teller film that <laughs> Harry Hamlin is also in.
0: And I'm like,
2: what is this? Oh
0: my God. And she's taking it so seriously.
2: She's like red leather, red leather, red
0: leather. <laughs> she's like oh practicing in the car for a pin and Teller movie that's Lisa Rana right for you honey Wait, she's committed I want to ask Pete actually think based
3: off of that as somebody who is a tabloid guy usually I mean in the past it's always been about celebrities but as reality TV has so clearly become such a big part of the culture and almost flattened the curve and and like Real Housewives are seem to be just as famous as if not more than bona fide actors do you care did it does it does it make any difference to you and like do reality stars get the same treatment as like oh. Julia Roberts did in 96 or whatever?
0: No, it's, it seems like the current tabloids don't really give them a lot of press. Oh. I think that, I think like they like least to them give them certain photographs because of the first page yeah. of the tabloids, like celebrities caught eating or taking the garbage out. And I think they give them those pictures, yeah. but it's still very much like, you know, the Royal family or like Brittany and, you know, like Madonna and like the, yeah. the big stars, you know, right.
2: well, then Pete, I have to then ask you because you are in Pittsburgh and it's because this is a reality show that I am currently binging. What are your thoughts and feelings of Abby Lee Miller from Dance Moms? Were you excited considering you are from Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. This show was on the air and how did you react to Miss Abby Lee Miller?
0: Well, I mean, that was that is a typical Pittsburgh teacher if I've ever seen one. I, I've always had, you know, like when I was growing up in high school, really mean teachers. Oh, wow. But, I mean, you know, like, the, especially if you're like, I was quiet and shy, they made sure to make an example out of me. And I made sure to get them back when I put hairspray in the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
3: have you guys ever, I'm just out of curiosity, have you ever done anything along the lines of Pete, like put, not bioterrorism, but like put something in somebody's <laughs> something to have, get back at them.
2: I have something really gross. That
1: no, I I, I I can honestly tell you, I have I have never. That is uh, the done most shocking like answer is that Brent has not. No, no, Brent because had. because I'm saving it up for when it really matters. I want if I'm going to murder <laughs> someone, if I'm going to kill someone, it's going to be someone that like is in the way. You know what I mean? Like uh, not I did, just not, some I did not say kill. <laughs> yeah, you,
2: you went down that road, Brent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what were you gonna say, Alan? Oh
2: sorry, Pete.
0: Oh nothing. I'm just a little awkward in you, are gone. I mean, a little awkward in <laughs> the and the Folgers crystals is fine. <laughs> <laughs> the Folgers
2: Mine is um mine is very gross and it's gross. I was it was I only lived in the dorms for one semester in college because I hated dorm life. And me and my roommate hated each other on a level that was like
3: oh this is just i know this and it's disgusting well you asked so i'm sharing it i can't remember
2: i'm getting to it so we hated each other so much and he would do things to me and i i never really did much back but then i got so pissed one night that i had to like get back at him but I knew I couldn't do anything that he would like recognize you know what I mean so I had to do something that would satisfy me but wouldn't piss him off because I was afraid of him
3: before you say it I wonder if Pete can guess what it is when Alan says He's something not gonna he guess. can recognize a substance huh? a substance
0: a substance a <laughs> substance species no well <laughs> i mean it is
2: okay well, it. One, yeah. let me just go down the road here
0: a condom
2: well i masturbated a wig. In his, i masturbated in his shampoo right. and just right. so that i would know that he was you know lathering up to me basically that's
0: that's so romantic yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i by the way this is kind of a silly stu- stupid story but I, you know, back in like middle school, I used to jerk off only in the shower. I think like a lot of middle schoolers. I've always found that difficult. Yeah, no, (laughs) certainly. I I like to masturbate lying down now because I'm depressed. But, um, (laughs) But it used to be in the shower. And I didn't know that like after like, I don't know, like 30 minutes, jizz dissolves into like nothing. And or after whatever, after a certain period of time. And then like six months in my shower got clogged. and I was like, Oh no, there's like a gallon of jizz, like blocking the shower. And my, and, and my dad, anyone, anyone who knows my dad knows he can fix everything. So I was like, Hey, uh, the showers clogged. (laughs) And he's like, all right, yeah, I'll get it. And so he goes in there and he, you know, two minutes later, he's like, all right, it's done. And I was like, are you sure there was like nothing? I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I got it. I was like, and you don't want to like <laughs> talk about it. He's like, yeah, no, it's just hair. And then of course, like years later, I found out like, yeah, it fucking dissolves in water. You know, after.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought a baby would form. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Of That's normally. That's what how like uneducated oh, I was. Right. I was That's like, am I, is there gonna okay. baby gonna form? And <clears throat> a friend of mine. He's like, no, you have to have like um an egg. And I was like, oh, wow.
3: <laughs>
1: did he pour like, like the okay. like cleaner down the drain? No, oh, no, no, no. That is that is not <laughs> that is not what my dad does. He opens it up and unclogs yeah. it with, you know, uh a snake or something. Yeah, yeah you do a back out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey,
2: before before we let you go, I have to give a shout out to your Instagram because you have um I love someone who pulls out A nice set of wigs and just like puts on a wig it just goes to town and just some recent characters or some characters that i you know particularly love tarby barbie's half sister i also
0: her long lost half sister
2: yeah i love crystal and and sherry and so you have quite a few characters which if you had to pick one to get famous off of let's say one really hits (laughs) which one would you want to hit if you could choose
0: I want my the newest one to hit Taraji, and she deserves her own movie on Tubi, and her story <laughs> needs to be told. The long lost. Half sister of Barbie. Oh my God! Tarby, <laughs> Tarby,
3: Tarby on Tarby on Tubi or Fubo or
0: yeah, <laughs> Fubo. It's uh, a
1: miniseries. Ciso so on Roku. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Pete, you are literally the best. Where can people find Tarby or whomever? What uh, uh, you? Where can people find you
0: on the internet? You can find me on my Instagram at Pete Zayas and my YouTube channel, The Pete Zayas Show, and um, my podcast, Total Trash Live, and kidnap me, and <laughs> yeah. I get some more attention because <laughs> it's the hottest new thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Pete. It was great chatting with you.
0: Thanks for having me, you guys. Nice to talk to you.
2: And another thing.
1: So I wanted to tell the story. This I, th- I thought this was just hilarious. Um, so there's this guy who lives downtown, who's uh, lives near me, uh, who is just extremely my type, and you know it's not every well day. <laughs> oh, please, it's not every day that you come across someone who's you're like, oh my god, like a billion percent my type, and and so I I message this guy on Jacked, which is a, a dating app for gentlemen and (laughs) dating but i messaged him and we chatted for a little bit and then i'm usually quick to be like look here's my number if you if you're interested send me a text if not no worries so i gave him my number and then like the next morning or something i logged in and his profile was gone so I was like oh he blocked me that's like such a shitty thing to do um it's like you all you 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 just don't have to text me man it's like that's all you got to (laughs) do like i'm not gonna harangue you but regardless a couple like four days later i see the same guy on hinge another dating app that's a little bit more serious um and i was you know was kind of butthurt for being like blocked by him so i was like oh you know fuck this guy but i'm like again i was like he's so my type you know let me just kind of swallow my pride and 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 like it one more time and and just kind of let that be that because you never know maybe he didn't block me maybe maybe his profile was deleted whatever so I liked him on Hinge. Again, this was like four days later. I liked the same guy. He likes me back and immediately messages, hey. And I was like, oh, all right. So maybe my, my suspicion was right. Maybe he didn't block me. Maybe it was just a misunderstanding or whatever. <laughs> so I wrote back. So he he writes, hey. And I wrote back, hey, long time no see. And the moment I sent that I remember thinking like, that's a bad idea because maybe he doesn't remember yeah. blocking you yeah. four days ago. And lo and behold, <laughs> a few hours later, he writes back, have we met? Ugh. And I was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And of course I was like, uh, no, we haven't met. I think we chatted once before. Uh, how's it going? And then, of then of course, then he stopped responding um, but I thought the whole exchange was so funny. First of all, that you can you can literally forget. I'm not saying I'm memorable or anything like that. But you're like, you could forget someone you blocked four days before. Babe. I remember people I block. Especially people I chatted with long enough to get their number and then block. I remember them. So A, pathetic. B, it's just, it's also so... Um, Indicative of how flippant and meaningless these conversations are Yeah, that to me, it was representative of the fact that he was seemingly, you know, whatever his intentions were, he was excited to chat with me until I reminded him, we had chatted, right. uh, And it didn't clearly didn't go anywhere. So it was almost like he was like, oh, great, great reminder that I'm not excited now to chat with you. So,
3: and so now, not only will I not say anything, I'm going to vanish. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I guess I'll take that over a blocking. But um...
2: still, I mean, you're, exactly what you said, that these things are so fleeting and and it's 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 certainly nothing personal. It's always just sort of like you know, and, and yeah, you would hope people would have more decorum around it would be nicer about it would be sweet, whatever. But in reality, on an app like jacked, which the name of the app is about jacking off, like, oh, yeah. I would, I would assume and he's probably using hinge in the exact same way. I would assume he's probably doing the transactional, hey, hey, dick, pick bye okay, let's get together. You know what I mean? Like, it's very quick and easy. And yeah. He sounds like an idiot, but at the same time, I like, I don't necessarily think it's like the worst thing that's ever happened. You know what I mean? Like
1: Absolutely, absolutely not. And, and I have, I have no, I mean, I still, I still want to meet him because he's so handsome, but, but no, I, I am not. And I'm, I agree with you, still Alan, want to I'm meet by, him by no means someone, suggesting.
2: When someone who yes, is attractive, but they turn out to be either an idiot or dumb, like was this, I'm not going to say the actor's name, but there was someone I interviewed re- recently who I just I felt dumber after talking to them, you know. What I, mean? <laughs> I just felt like I felt immensely like an idiot after talking because they were so, you know. And they it, it and in a weird way it was like sure this person is handsome and you know whatever like that's what they do for a living. But at the same time they at that moment they become much less handsome to me because I just it's like a paper just flapping in the wind. There's not much else.
1: 100 percent. And yeah. and I couldn't agree more, Elliot. What are your thoughts? But just that, like, it's
3: on one hand, you can be like, yeah, this is transactional and flippant and you're not going to think about it like ever again. But on the other hand, there is to me, whatever the medium might be, there is a sense of decorum that I think is not necessarily required, but I think is appreciated because, again, it's always like in the silence of your own home or wherever you are on this little computer in your hands someone who's in the same position as you where you can make can be made to feel super vulnerable or not ha- has the opportunity to either be re- have a modicum of kindness yeah or block you and then the next time they talk to you be like who are you who are you who are you honey and they <laughs> yeah. don't have you don't have to choose to be curt you don't have to right. choose to potentially hurt someone's feelings so when guys do on these apps, I think far less, I think a lot less of them than uh, it would be nice if I could be like, oh, well, it's just these apps. They don't matter, but it's just human. Dec- just, yeah. I-, I just wouldn't want to go yeah. out of my way to make somebody feel a bad in any way, but also like rejected. Be- like, I wouldn't want to make somebody feel rejected and then not even like what he couldn't say.
2: you done that to someone, someone before, like not necessarily this like this, but I'm sure you've, not responded to someone no
3: I time. I choose to respond or maybe my behavior changed when I realized that that was the wrong thing to do and so I always
2: if, if it's you're not attracted me, to someone but yet they keep coming for you what do you do
3: I say thank you I, I genuinely say like I appreciate it it's not, it's not it's not a match I'm not interested but but good luck or I say thanks for saying hi and thank and they you. might still be mad
2: I don't want them. I think to- that's actually worse than just blocking. So th-
1: this is a really interesting conversation because I've I've had this many times, and I I because everyone is different and yeah. people like I I have I've evolved over time. I am like what Elliot's describing. I used to want that. I used to want someone to be like, oh, thanks, but no, thanks, not interested. Which I of course was is always an extremely rare response to get. Um, and now I'm like, I would rather be ignored than have someone Humor. kind of yeah, 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 Just, just, just kind of do, you know, distract me or, or, or send a message like that. And it, it all, it absolutely all depends on. It's almost like, person.
2: like road etiquette in a way, like, sure. We'd want everyone to drive the speed limit and use the blinkers and do all of the things that we want them to do because they can just be a normal driver and being curt about it and like drive the way you're supposed to. But the reality is people throw pennies at other cars like Elliot Glazer. <laughs> and and you know, sometimes, sure, like we have to realize that there are some drivers like Elliot Glazer in the world. And we just have to kind of accept it. And we can't beg them to change because we're I, never going to be able to change them.
3: I, I don't expect to beg them to change. I don't expect them to change. All I know is that I can do what I I can do what I want to do. I can I can control my behavior. And if and if I would rather be have a modicum of kindness to somebody else if it's a rejection, then not. That, that's just me. But, and but, I, I don't
1: expect people to treat me the same. I know they won't, but I would also like that too. But what is your expectation of the people that you're throwing pennies at? Like what is? I hope they crash and die because they've wronged <laughs> me on the road.
3: <laughs> what, what would, would your aunt say? say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show?
1: Tell Alan to slide into my DMs and tell me what actor made him dumber.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My Aunt Joanne would say, tell Brent to use J-date. He'd do better there. He can get away with it. (laughs) How about Aunt Anne?
2: Aunt Anne would say, you know, Brant, I know you're you're calling from a family vacation in a basement, but I feel like I've seen that basement on a true crime special.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love I love Anna Ann. Only as a friend, of course.
3: Oh, good. Enjoy New England. Thank robot, you so man.
1: much. And thank you for listening. We love you. <laughs>